the big wireless companies sold you an outdated plan tied to long-term contracts and mystery fees. Simple Mobile's different. You get a lightning-fast 4G LTE nationwide network with no contract, ever. And keep the phone and number you love. Just text the word BYOP to 611611 to see if your phone is compatible. Simple Mobile. Out with the old, in with the simple. Standard text message and data rates may apply based on your mobile phone service. Please refer always to the privacy policy at simplemobile.com slash privacy policy and the terms and conditions at simplemobile.com slash terms and conditions. Four, three, two, one. James Kahn and John Hausman debate on retirement and sports in an exciting new movie called Rollerball, which we're discussing in the beginning of season three of Cinema du Fromage. Jonathan E., that's the name. Houston players come and go, but the champion plays on. You know how the game serves us. It has a definite social purpose. Nations are bankrupt, gone. No poverty, no sickness. Man has accomplished what he'd always craved. Corporate society was an inevitable destiny. The good life, a centuries-old dream. You better do as you're told, Jonathan. That's all I have to say. Don't be here when I come back. You won't be back, Johnny Paul. No player is greater than the game itself. It's not a game a man is supposed to grow strong in, Jonathan. person I ever wanted. Wanted you on my side. That's all. The books you've ordered are classified and have been transcribed and summarized. Well, who summarizes them? Zero, of course. He's the world's brain. Does it answer you? Oh, yeah. It speaks. <laughs> I'd like, uh, I'd like, uh, some information about corporate decisions, uh, how they're made and who makes them. They're afraid of you, Jonathan. All the way to the top, they are. The game was created to demonstrate the futility of individual effort. Let the game do its work. Game! This wasn't meant to be a game! John Houseman, Rollerball. And they say they give away too much in trailers nowadays, eh? Welcome to Cinema de Fromage, the opening of season three. Can you believe that? And of course, we are here with um, King Penguin, and I'm here with uh, the usual gang, plus one. We've got uh, Kente over here on that, that side. 
Oh, we're going to get used to this. Down there is Jen. Say hi, Jen. Hey, everybody. I'm so excited to be back for season three. And we have our extra special guest here. Wait, wait. They, I can't figure this camera thing out. But Joshua, say hello to the folks out there and tell them how much. Hello, you're everybody out there in Internet land. So today's film is Rollerball. And uh, to knock things off, we won't make any comments yet, but we'll let Jen give a little synopsis of what this film is about. All right. Well, <clears throat> this isn't exactly the way that I would have written it, but this is what we got. The year is, wait a minute, the year is 2018 in a futuristic Oh, it's a historical It's a historical <laughs> film. I love those. It's a retrospective uh, fantasy. Remember yeah, back when, eh? Uh-huh. Okay, the year is 2018 in a futuristic society where corporations have replaced countries. A violent, futuristic game known as Rollerball is the recreational sport of the world with teams representing various areas. One player, Jonathan E., fights for his personal freedom and threatens the corporate control. Now, now summarize it how you would summarize it. <laughs> All right. So a bunch of guys get together, beat each other up. There's some fires. There's some arguing. There's a bit of corporate philosophy and a couple people die. Okay. There you go. Either way, you've got the film in a nutshell. <laughs> so that's good. It's always good to summarize in your own words, as, as my teacher always used to tell me. That way I would avoid plagiarism, which is not good. Speaking of which, there, uh, this is uh, one of those films that it's not plagiarized. It's well, it's taken from a book called The Rollerball Murder, uh, which was Rollerball was basically something in the side, and they decided to put that in the forefront. Anyways, before we go into the, the nitty gritty, I just want to get a general because I, I, I did see some comments, you know, before we started this. Uh, I want to get general uh, rundown of the ideas of what people general thoughts are of this movie okay. why you start Kente what, what do you think okay now I saw this movie when I was a youngster right and I remember enjoying it and so my thoughts of it always was it was a good movie and then I seen it yesterday uh, as an adult and I'm like was I on cocaine when I was a kid um, <laughs> it was very boring very slow you know, I mean, I kind of liked, you know, some of the, the stuff about corporate greed and all that kind of stuff. And it was shot pretty cool. But for the most part, it was a slow movie. And James Kahn's performance, he just looked like he just wanted to slit his wrist through the whole movie. I mean, he was just so dour. And we saw it in the trailer. And I get that his character was sad or whatnot. But, um, yeah, it was, you know, I mean, I like some of the things in, in the movie. Some of the ideas is trying to put. It was kind of it was revolutionary for its time but uh it's not a movie you want to see over and over it's like okay i'm i'm glad i saw it uh don't need to see it again okay how my thoughts yeah uh well i can't say i'm glad that i saw it I'd, I'd never seen it before. 
I did see the remake with Chris Klein, um, but I was told that didn't count, so I had to watch this. At first, I thought uh, Kite was punishing me for something, um, but hearing that he uh, he thought he enjoyed it when he was younger, okay, I'll second guess that thought for now about whether or not you were punishing me, Kente. Um, you know, it's weird because generally, you know, when uh, we talk about movies that can be considered, I don't know, so bad, they're good. Uh, there, there's a lot of schlock involved, a lot of chuckles and, and laughs, but I think this movie took itself so earnestly that I had a hard time laughing at it. And while the messages, I mean, they totally nailed the whole uh, corporations rule the world in 2018, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but other than that, it was just, you know, a typical everything shiny in the future type movie. Okay. And Jen, what about you? Oh, she's on mute. Did she walk away? No, Jen, Jen you there? No, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm here. I'm, it, it was cutting was in and out. Okay. <laughs> I was not. I was not. <clears throat> okay, so my thoughts. Uh, yeah. One, I, boy, storytelling has come a long way. Two, uh, I, I, it wasn't that it was so boring. It was that it was unnecessarily long for me. But I think the big thing is... Uh, this had so much potential that it actually made me cry because it could have been such a good movie. It really could have. Is I guess it kind of is. I mean, it feels like it feels like they tried to do Logan's Run in a rollerball arena. That's what it feels like. So it wasn't bad. Um, I mean, it wasn't bad. Like, it wasn't bad. They didn't do a bad job of trying to do something. But it was so, it was just executed so horrible. So, yeah, I wasn't too excited about it. But, yeah, I can say that I watched it. And that's good. Okay. Uh, Oh, thank you. I guess I'm going to be the dissenting voice here. um, Because Rollerball... I picked it because it's one of my favorites from the 70s, um, you know, dark sci-fi uh, era. Um, only for two things. Uh, one, it's not definitely not James Cann's low, low, low key performance. Cause that, I mean, even James Cann himself said uh, he gave the movie an eight out of 10 because he had nowhere to go with the character. They really didn't give him much to do with the character. So he didn't, there was, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but you'd have to turn the volume up and down whenever he was speaking. It's like you couldn't hear a damn thing he was saying. But I liked the idea that which they got bang on was the idea of corporations instead of nations running the world, uh, where nations cease to exist. So they had this idea of this corporate wars. But I liked the sport. I have to say, of any movie sport where they come up with a fake sport, Quidditch or whatever it is. This is the only one that looks like it could have been a real sport that you could actually, I mean, the film starts you right bang in the middle of a game, you know, or the beginning of a game being televised. And you feel like you're a viewer and you can almost follow the rules of this made up thing, which I thought was really cool. And apparently the stuntmen who were doing this thing wanted to actually have a rollerball league started up after this movie was done. 
which I would have loved to watch because having people like hammer each other on bicycle or motorcycles and everything. And uh, that was cool. I liked it. But um, there was also there's little elements in there that I, I, I kind of liked in it, too. There's subtle things in it. It's not. Yeah, it's not an exciting. Film and stuff. I mean, the rollerball scenes are kind of fun. Um, but honestly, I, I think it maybe is too earnest, but I think it did have a message hidden in all that stuff. And it wasn't that he was sad. It was the idea of uh, a person who's basically unaware of, you know, his potential because he's not a bright person. He's a, he's a athlete who, who's, you know, who's good at bashing and not supposed to say, uh, he just wants simple things. He's, he realizes he's in a world where, he can get anything he wants because that's going to reward him. Uh, John Houseman comes off at the beginning and says, you know, it's like uh, we're running out of things to give the guy. And the only thing he really wanted was the one thing they took away from him, which is his wife. And even when he gets, almost gets her back, it's like he realizes even that's not good enough. He doesn't know what it is would make him happy, which I think is more of an idea of, you know, we always material you were kind of cutting out things. Oh, if we get this, then we... Uh-oh, you, you were cutting out. Okay, there you go. But I said, if you... Did I do a second? Oh, we're uh, losing you, man. My internet is not... Yeah, it's my internet. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of working off of a, a line that's not hooked up so oh, okay. so anyways someone jump in anytime you wanted to correct well, me on any of the stuff especially well, when i stopped talking one thing that they, they did get done and this movie was made in 1975 was uh that all the books would be uh digital which was uh mm-hmm. was which was right on you know because uh pretty much uh that's how i read books nowadays i don't I don't buy hard copy books anymore. I, it's either audio or it's going to be um, uh, on my iPad or something like that. Uh, that was pretty cool. Um, another thing too is that uh, that was interesting about the film is that um, you know they had like black people who were you know just regular characters. They were you know they had you know they were on the team. They had, you know, uh, importance as well. Uh, you know, they were they were the executives. They had women who were executives as well. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, they In also fact, one of the major five of the five corporations. One of them was it was a woman who was running that one. Right. And that was that was pretty interesting. And then, um, uh, so that was very forward thinking. I think uh, when it comes to the movie, uh, the, the and they had serious husband. Don't forget that. Right. Right. Um, so, you know, that was interesting. Uh, it was, you know, the movie, I know it is, it's sort of a beloved movie, a, a cult classic for a lot of people. And it started a lot, you know, it, it, that genre, the, the uh, what do you call it? The, um, you know, the Hunger Games kind of fight. You got to fight for our food or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, in the near future, whatever you know, yeah, dystopia kind of dystopian, uh, right? Yeah. Dystopian uh, thing. I, I I believe is one of the first ones, right? Right, and um, Death Race two thousand, I, I believe, 
I think that came out just prior to it, or it came out the same year, maybe. Right, right. Like six months difference. Right. Yeah. And we're going to be talking about that one as well. Yeah, and uh, it's a bit of a different, I'm thinking, different reaction to that one. James Conn is a good actor. He is. But in this movie, it's like, I mean, he, it was terrible. His performance was horrible. And, you know, it, it almost seemed like he was contractually obligated to do the film or he was going to get killed. You know, so, <laughs> yeah, I can see that. <laughs> you know, and so it was like I was I was just surprised how hard it was hard to to watch. Um, you know, and Norman Jewison is a terrific filmmaker, you know, uh, Fiddler on the Roof. Um, you know, he did a Soldier Story, a Hurricane. I mean, you know, so many in the heat of the night, you know, a lot of great movies. But um, uh, I don't know, man, I. I see black curtain is up. That's right. Black curtain is up. Uh, so um, I had a white curtain behind me before. <laughs> so, uh, but um, I don't know, man. It, it's a, I don't know. I, I can see why some people liked it and why it was like back in the day, but I don't know if it holds up. But the thing that I think is interesting is their depiction of 2018, which, you know, there's like a slew of movies that are, that, We've got caught up. We caught up to the date, right? Like uh, mm-hmm. Back to the Future, mm-hmm. uh, like a, right, right, right. Which is so funny, and uh, like you know, this is not a Back to the Future review, but Back to the Future got a lot of stuff right, you know, uh, as well, you know. So except for we don't really have the hoverboards, not really. Uh, so you know, that's one thing that we're missing. But but uh, I think that you know this this movie. I don't know, man. I, I'm a. What did you think about uh, the relationships between men and women in it, uh, Jen? Um, I. I'll I'll be honest. <clears throat> there's there's not. I watch a lot of movies, and uh, there's just a certain subgenre of movie that I, I don't even know how to classify them exactly. That came out of the '70s that that have this particular feel to them, where it's. I, I, I know where they were going. And it, again, there was some very authentic feeling stuff happening between people, but the relationships between people seemed so perhaps purposefully uh, shallow. And like, there just is not much there. Even, even when it really matters, even when, you are telling somebody not to take life support off of another person. The the depth of emotion was just so, I don't know. And again, you know, I, I struggle with this because I wonder if that wasn't somehow purposeful. Did you guys think that it was purposeful or did you feel like that they were just, I do. yeah? No, I, I think that was, I mean, when you've got a good actor like that and you, you keep the performance so so low key and it's it's done on i think it's done on purpose by by the director was calling for that um but and then you look at the it's i think it's because of his character is supposed to be so beaten up that the only thing he's got going for him the only thing that he's living for right now is the team in that sport right which is why you know a sensible person would have walked away and he doesn't and they're trying to force him um because you look at the you know uh the character moon pie sitting right over there stupid name um but the whole idea he was full of life right you saw his reaction he was you know in 
know, he had through the whole movie. Um, even though he was kind of a racist dick. But, um, you know, it seems that that's the choice on the director's part to make sure that he's playing it low key. Like, this is all he has. And he's a, he's trying to find meaning in life. And he doesn't, there's nothing, I mean, he tries to find, oh, what if I find out how decisions are made? Well, he gets a sort of a vague view of how decisions are made, but it doesn't matter in the end. He realizes he's got no control over his life. The only control he has is when he's in that uh, arena, and that's it. See, and I think that might be what was sort of troublesome to me. And Say again? Go ahead, Jen. I, I, I was saying, I, I think that might be what was troublesome to me. What was troublesome was there was no... Uh, what what they could have done narratively, I guess, in a couple of different ways, they chose instead to sort of give the flat affect to the audience. And I, I get it. I mean, I hear what you're saying, and I agree. And I think it makes total sense. But it's tough. Because watching that makes the rest of the story feel also flat and not as exciting. And I feel like it could have been such an awesome story. I mean, it's got such potential. Why have we not redone this? They I'm, have. I'm confused. They did redo it in 2002. Uh, uh, remember, Joshua, that's one of his favorite movies. Oh, Absolutely. did I miss that? Oh, I definitely missed that then. <laughs> no, that's, I'm joking. It, I, from, it looks terrible. So it, I, is. Okay. it is. Yeah. So let me ask, let me ask Josh. Don't get me excited like that. That's so unfair. What the I heck? mean, I don't know. I haven't seen it, so I didn't. I didn't waste my time. But, um, but let me ask you this, Josh. Uh, yeah. Uh, would Would you be one of those people? I feel like you would be one of those people at rollerball games. You seem like that kind of guy. Now, I, I, no. I I'm not really sure how to answer this because, on the one hand. You know, I like to watch football, but I'm not going to be going down to the stadium, you know? Right. Traffic and it's such okay. a grind. You wouldn't bring oh, the kids? Okay, I would, though. <laughs> you wouldn't bring the kids? Now, if... I guess it depends on how into it I am, because I'll take the kids to wrestling matches all day, and this is kind of like that, right? Right, right. Hype, yeah. you know, character. Um, and motorcycles. So Maybe. I mean, I've taken them to the Monster Jam before, so it's like a combination of wrestling meets Monster Jam. Yeah, right. Uh, I don't know, man. Uh, what do you think about James Kahn's performance? I mean, what can I say that uh, hasn't already been said? It was pretty easy to summarize, wasn't it? Right. Uh, flat. Uh, is is the first word that comes to mind. It's like when they were developing the story, um, or at least the characters for this, uh, the image that comes into my mind is somebody drawing a square on a piece of paper and then drawing the extra lines to make it look like a cube. You know, it, it it's it looks three-dimensional, but no matter how you draw it or shade it or do whatever, it's still not a three-dimensional character. And that's, it, 
that's what I think of the character. It has all of the illusion of being a three-dimensional character. You know, look, he has friends. He has, uh, you know, a mission. He has this, he has that. But none of it really seems to add depth, uh, legitimate depth uh, to him as a person. And, uh, and quite frankly, I think he owed somebody money. <laughs> I think so. Too. But but do you think that that was on? I mean, and I'm I'm not saying this uh, like I'm not trying to be sarcastic at this point. I really am serious. Do you think that that was so on purpose and just sort of a misstep directorially, or do you think that there was really something kind of going on with it with him, the actor who was like, yeah, yeah, I'm just not into this. You know, I don't even think it was um, as as much an actor decision. I think uh, if you want to. If you want to call this a problem, um, I say it started on day one, page one, uh, when somebody was writing. And the director took the writing and just adapted it, didn't try to breathe uh, any new life into it. And in turn, the actor adapted uh, the direction and, again, just did not bring anything new to the table that... I think what we got on screen was everything that was on paper day one. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I agree. I, I definitely agree. But it, but it was exciting. I mean, there it it had its moments, and it it where it was really where it where it had a lot of shine power was in. I mean, first of all, I I know we talked about this just a little bit, but the set design in this movie was absolutely astounding. And when I think back to the seventies in terms of what they were constructing and that was actually really amazing. I mean, I liked it. I really liked it a lot. And I similarly loved the idea of the AI being uh, sort of liquid based. That was also really mm -hmm. neat. That was just such a good idea, but the, the arena was unbelievably well constructed and, very cool i mean like the sweeping shots when you first come into the movie are there i even said this to the person i was watching um some set designer was really trying to show off what they had done and they deserved that because it was really that part was really neat but the other things that were cool there is a lot of stunts in this movie that you can tell you know, people really i don't know if they got hurt but they got banged up i mean there's i don't know how in the world you get away with some of that stuff without I could feel it when I was so when I was those doing, were good when I was doing research for it I, I think it said this was the first film where stuntmen were credited uh with act uh in actor roles or something like that something to that effect so oh wow yeah so it was considered like um you know because uh, they, they they decided to hire stuntmen and athletes to play the game so so uh I mean to be you know to play the part so you know, that's why it was so good, you know, as far as because uh, they actually had real stuntmen doing the stunts. So. Yeah, to that end, they that that definitely came through. Right. I mean, it felt like these guys were really powerhouse people. It did not feel like they, you know, put some skinny people. Sorry, skinny people. But I mean, they didn't put some, you know, really unathletic people into a role and say, oh, here, just you know, uh, suspend belief and, and will pretend that these are really awesome athletes. I mean, they put some good people in those roles. That's for sure. Yeah. They can just I, didn't. Uh, Go ahead. I, I was, uh, can I touch on three things real quick? Sure, please. 
Uh, before we uh, completely get away from the set design, I, I just wanted to uh, throw my two cents, and I thought it was it was very well done, very intricate, and seeing how the um, the executives, the corporate types, uh, lived and enjoyed the rollerball uh, as compared to what the actual arena looked like. The, the stark contrast was very interesting to me, especially with how well they were both done. I think, yeah, a set designer, you know, took a victory lap on that one. Uh, very proud of himself. Um, one of the thoughts uh, that I was mentioning earlier about uh, the script, it seems like uh, when you talk about the action of the games, that that is where the majority of the focus was when uh, it was time to write. Um, because the, the games were actually fun to watch. And I would watch that as a real sport. Uh, legit. But that brings me to uh, the third thing. When I was watching the sport, and you're talking about how they were shot and... Uh, the athletes and stuntmen involved in bringing it to life. One thought persistently came to my mind, and that was, this is either the most brilliantly choreographed sports scene I've ever watched, or this is the most reckless thing I've ever seen put on film. <laughs> and I can't figure out which one it is. And that's okay. But what do you guys think? Is it reckless or very carefully planned? I think I think it's uh, pretty reckless uh, and carefully planned all at the same time uh, because because um, uh, they said like people were getting really hurt making it, you know. Yeah, I figured. So, I mean, you know. They were hey, and they were game for it too. They were they they wanted the smoke, so so uh, I think that uh, you can say it's a little bit of both. But it was definitely carefully planned because they they actually went to painstaking um, process to even just come up with the game so that the game would be something that was cool, you know. I I mean to <clears throat> to a, a pretty big extent, like it it definitely felt like uh, they were. Um, equating uh this with modern day uh gladiators right and and i don't mean gladiators like oh fight uh one-on-one -on -one to the death but that whole amuse the mob thing felt very uh it felt very roman almost and i mean it's 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 actually a pretty tried and true thing we know that now but it, it, Again, you know, it's weird because when we have to go back and look at um, the context for the storytelling in the 1970s, it's funny because we, I, I feel like in the 1970s, I, I can't imagine that they could possibly see forward into the way that we have sort of evolved now or devolved, whichever. Um, and it, it, this feels like something that we could actually pull off right now where <clears throat> countries are not really existing where we just have big corporations like Coke and uh, Apple and whatever, basically running whole societies. It doesn't feel that far off. D did it to you? No, not at all. It was on the, it was on the money. 
Um, I mean, you know, I, you can actually make an argument that that uh, that was going that way back in even seventy five, but to but to really like knock it out the park, you know, in this movie, uh, nah, it, it was very well. They they figured that shit out. So um, and uh, I, I don't know. I. I this movie should deserve credit for getting a lot of things right, but you know, yeah, it did. It was you know, but it didn't get the uh, being entertaining out right. <laughs> so that was, I mean, like I said, the, the matches were cool, but in between the matches, were I don't know, it just had a weird seventies feel to it. Like it didn't. Yeah. It also, it just didn't tell the story in any kind of <clears throat> what I would think of as uh, as a as a good narrational order <clears throat> i mean i i get where everything was going and of course i could feel that there was linear time involved but everything felt so disconnected like y- scenes didn't match up for me which is such a problem what i get what they were doing at the house but i don't really understand the point of the whole house story uh, it, th- there were little points that made sense, and then was that all to sort of uh, convey that hey, something big is going down, or uh, or to help us understand who's the big, uh, you know, who who's full of the most life, who's got like it just the it's like they tried to cram so many messages into into the into some little scenes, and then in the bigger scenes where it could have made a bigger impact, it felt so sparse and like there were barely three lines of dialogue spoken for five ten minutes it, i don't know it was just so strange yeah oh, yeah. oh that's the liquid ai you were talking about that's siri's husband apparently she's <laughs> siri's husband i thought that was siri's yeah. great great grandfather there uh, ai is timeless you don't know <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. I w- want to welcome Sybil to to the chat. Um, uh, King Penguin is having some technical difficulties, so we're gonna hold it down until he gets back. But um, uh, I don't know. Like this movie is very indicative of a lot of films that came out during the seventies. Uh, in a lot of ways, it has that feel to it, you know. Um, and there were a lot better movies that came out during the seventies uh, than this one. But it's interesting. The people that like really love it, because I saw a bunch of reviews of people that just gush about this movie. And what they said that they loved about it was the subtext, right? And yeah. what's going on underneath. Which, you know, I can appreciate that. And I got it, right? And it made a lot of sense. And if you take it, if you think about it in the lens of 1975, which was a year before I was born. Um, that this movie came out, then maybe maybe you give it m- much more props. But um, I don't know, man. It's I didn't love it as much as a lot of people seem to have loved it. So I don't know. Um, I, I don't know. I I, I don't uh, believe in waterboarding, but uh, in a way, I'm waterboarding uh, Josh with this one. <laughs> so what? You know, it wasn't it uh, again. I don't think this was a bad. It wasn't a bad movie, right? I mean, right. I did not give it super high scores at all, but it wasn't a bad movie. The the inception of it and like the people that you said 
enjoyed it. The meta text of it was, it was quite interesting and very inventive. Um, and, and definitely uh, it had that kind of futuristic feel to it from the 1970s sort of that, that piece. But what they didn't do was make it so different that, um, that, that we felt disconnected from it. And in some ways I think that worked to its detriment because, because that's what we expect, right? We expect time jumps to be both technologically more advanced than we are now and culturally or from a societal standpoint, far more advanced than we are right now. And that's where I feel like they missed. They missed on the, uh, on the idea that things would still be the same as they were in 1975. We would just have some different parameters for living. We live in a place without countries and now we have corporations. I, the, to me, that just felt a little like they didn't explain that well enough. Mm. And can uh, you see me back now? Yes, it looks like you're about to be interrogated. There is that your? Uh, yeah. Oh my god! Is that where I you? Struggled. Is that where that? Is that where you interrogate the kids? Yes. <laughs> no, this is where we're renovating, and uh, basically, this ugly orange is going to be gone tomorrow. But until then, I have now in a big echoey basement with uh, TV trays as my desk, and <laughs> sitting on a. You know, in some ways that in some ways that is very 1975 i mean even that uh, color orange and the uh, tv trays so yeah, good job orange orange is a very very 70s color and this movie it was did have it so <laughs> so what i miss folks um basically we've, we've been going uh going on and about the movie but uh I, there's something i want to bring up too like what do you like what do you think about the whole uh that you swap out the wives and, you know, like I, I think. Well, no, they're not wives. They're just um, these are women who, who, for in exchange for all the comforts, they give themselves up as I guess. Uh, what do they call them? Uh, comfort girls, basically. Uh, they're, they're groupies. They're, but they're not groupies. They're assigned by the corporation. Um, as, as I, I know. And they know, and they all know what they're getting into because you know that is brought up. Brought, brought in, it was brought up, um, and I, it's a weird kind of thing. But it's also a very '70s mentality, like uh, Soil and Green, uh, which is probably one for season four, um, has uh, that kind of thing too, where you have women who are called furniture, whose job it is. <laughs> That's right. That's yeah, right. Whose job is basically to give men pleasure and be something, a trinket to have around their arm. Uh, and in exchange, they get to live in the lap of luxury. Look at Josh. Josh is like, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> I would prefer to be, you know, I'd take that job in a second. <laughs> the creature comforts. But um, yeah, it's uh, it's it's weird. Um, like I'm, I'm sure we discussed this, but the, it seems that the, the relationships between men and women in in, um, in this movie is very weird, um, almost bordering violent. Like uh, there's that one scene where the one person who's the last one that was called in to be his uh, his girlfriend before his wife showed up um, was basically there just to convince him to to retire, and that was her whole job. But he was one step ahead of her. I mean, like how he drugs her when they are going when they're doing the uh, the TV spot, and oh right. And at one point, he takes his glove and he actually like cuts her face with one of the spikes on the thing. Just 
very, very nasty, but it, it, it seems like it's a brutal world where nobody cares. It, and that's the thing about it. It's, it's, it's on the outside. Everything seems good. They talk about how everybody's needs are met. No one goes hungry. There's no wars. There's no, no violence, but it also seems that there's nobody who's happy there and nobody's living any kind of fulfilled lives. Everyone seems to be miserable and just filling out like at the party that they have, which is a very long scene, admittedly, but it sort of underscores that you see all these people, these executives there and everyone, you notice everybody, but Jonathan E is wearing uh, tuxedos. Oh, there we go. So look, even moon pie is wearing the tuxedo. Everybody's wearing tuxedo, but when Jonathan E comes in and you think, okay, that's, you're at an executive uh, function. This is how you're supposed to dress as a man. You're going into this. There's not a single person you see is not in a tuxedo. Except for when Jonathan E shows up and he's wearing his styling 70s gear. There you there go. There it is. See? No tie. You know, it's little things like that I do like about this movie. There's little things that come up every so often. But you can see it's a joyless party. The only point where they actually look like they're enjoying themselves is A, when they're watching the, the special, when you see violence is happening and all of a sudden their eyes kind of glaze over and they get these looks, you know, excited looks. Or when they're destroying those trees with that gun. But yeah, there you go. So this is like the, in the morning, right? They get up in the morning and the only time they're enjoying themselves is now when they're causing destruction because it's something to get them out of, I guess, the lives that they're in. And I guess that's what rollerball is supposed See, to be. See, that is very gladiator. Yeah, it is. It's, it's, it's gladiator. If you think about it, this is the bread and circuses, right? And so everybody, the only outlet for people, because there's no violence and all this, no crime and everything, seems to be go watch people mutilate each other. Now, it's a weird sport because I guess the, the goal was not to kill each other um, until the, the, the final, you know, spoilers, everyone, the final uh, match. But um, they do talk about the most deaths in a, you know, in a game was 10 between two groups. And you're kind of wondering, okay, so they kind of say, okay, that's acceptable. This happens. Um, but you figure most sports would not have that kind of thing. I want a laser gun. Yeah. But the thing that bothers me most of all is those are wonderful trees that they just destroyed. You know, just for, for were those, this movie. Were those trees uh, harmed in this movie? The tr some trees were harmed in the making of this film, definitely. <laughs> but I, mean, I, I mean, but if you got a laser gun, right, Josh? You got to kind of use it. I don't even know if it's a laser gun because uh, one time someone gets knocked down and it makes an actual scar into the ground like it's a projectile, but it's an explosive one. So wow. imagine that's what you got in your house to protect yourself. Uh, I live in Florida. That's exactly what we have to protect ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Remind me not to go to Florida anytime soon. That's scary. Yeah, it's scary. But... Yeah, so I mean, there's some things. The things I do like about it, there are subtle things. Like it, 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 when you're watching the sport, it seems like it's a mindless thing, and then you have this dull moments. But in those dull moments, there are little subtle things that are happy, that are interesting. Um, the hospital, you know, where uh, Mumpai is goes, he has to sign away. He's got no next to kid, so we're going to allow you, uh, just a player who knows the guy, to sign off on his death. You go, holy shit, life is really kind of cheap there. You've got uh, people. Die People like mocking. Oh, you don't need a book. Uh, you got you can hire someone to read that for you, you know, and to do the research. He's told. And at one point, he's you know, he goes to see the big brain, the computerized thing, and it's like, oh, the 13th century's been lost. Nobody cares. 
<laughs> century in history. And in a way, that's kind of scary, too, because we, we, we could. I mean, we don't have a central. Luckily, the Internet is not a centralized hub. But if you imagine if it were, you know, you could have bits of history just disappear, you know, into the ether. So there's little things like that I kind of like watching and going, OK, there, there are some things to make you think. You have to slog through a lot of the, the, the deadpan stuff that, um, you know, he's doing and everything. But yeah, I still like it because there are some hints as, as to the society they have. And they don't put it right in your face. I mean, you're watching the, the sport and, okay, it's a, a weird sport. It's not until they say, oh, you know, please stand for our corporate national anthem and you, or our corporate anthem. And you kind of go, well, that's, what's that? Okay, that's different. And they don't, they're not really into your face until like midway through and they start explaining, oh, there was corporate wars. <clears throat> You know, there are no nations anymore. But, you know, I like that kind of thing about it. Uh, that's real, though, right? Yeah, you know what? Right, that happened in 2018, well, they, right? They, they... <laughs> I'll tell you this much, though. You could remake that movie, not in the terrible remake they did. You could make a very interesting movie out of this um, nowadays. Imagine you have a player who's protesting something and the government wants, the, you know, the companies and everything want to shut him down by making the game more brutal to drive him out because he's getting people's attention by protesting something. Colin Kaepernick. Oh, oh. <laughs> so, you know, this thing does lend itself to you could do an interesting thing or you could look at the violence in sport or you could look at the idea of what a sport does to its players and how it injures them and leaves them behind once they're no longer use to them. So uh, I think the, I mean, not saying this movie itself, but the whole the rollerball thing could be used as an interesting, you know, sci-fi film still. And it doesn't have to be dumb. It could be very, you know, thoughtful and clever. So I've always thought of it as, like, you know, you take your Jonathan E. character and then you, you know, you either change his race or you, you do something else with him. And just to make a point, make an interesting point about the world we live in today. And sports place in the world today and how it's politicized and how... The people are treated and how you know and what corporations you know how that affects um you know the players the fans and everything else so i mean rollerball kind of hints at those things in a very general way because it didn't quite see what was coming down the road in a realistic sense but you could redo that film now and make a really good interesting thoughtful sci-fi um, film and keep the rules from the original thing because i think that would be a great sport I agree. I definitely agree. So uh, the next question for you guys is, are you guys ready to uh, give your scores? Are we? <laughs> wow, this went by so fast for me. Can I, I throw right? something out there real quick? Can, huh? can, I, can I make throw something out there real quick? Sure, sure. Wait, 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 can, can I ask? A... Uh-oh, you're breaking up. Yeah, me next. No, go ahead. Me, I said, no, no, go ahead. Me next. Go ahead, uh, Jen. Or Jen. Somebody. Okay, Josh. Is it me? Josh, what? go ahead, Josh. <laughs> okay, you, you were mentioning that it would make a good remake at, at some point. Um, other than, of course, the Chris Klein starring Shane McMahon cameoing. Paul Heyman commentating uh, version they did in 2000 yeah. something. Yeah. I, I take your uh, idea and I up it by saying it should be a HBO or Netflix original series. 
that either starts at the beginning of the corporations taking over and Rollerball becoming a thing, or just retell the story in long form so they can have uh, some time to actually develop the characters and make us care about the world as a whole. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, they take could that world uh, on it. They could take a film that was kind of flawed and interesting, but and turn it into something unique. And yeah, that's that would be cool. I I would watch that. You know what, HBO, if you were listening, that's our idea, right? Of course, they're listening. Yeah, and okay. uh, I believe the titles you were uh, looking to give us was executive producers, showrunners. Yes, I want to be showrunner. And we call it. I just wanted to put that out there. Because then you could have interesting things like, you know, showing, let's say, there's got to be like a little league rollerball thing, right? Where kids are doing this. And you've got the parents who want their kids to grow up to be rollerballers and and that kind of weird stuff you could have going on with that, too. There's a lot of fertile ground in there uh, as a metaphor for, you know, modern sports and everything that goes with it. So I think that would be, I I would watch that series. That'd be amazing. I'd watch it. I'd watch it and I would uh, I'd write it too. Maybe. And and then you know what you do? You do have like games. Like there's a segment of the thing that will be a game, like a miniature, like the way they did it in the film, just a short version of that, the game. So you get the, you know, you can feel like maybe it's the length of a season. You know, you know, or so each season would be one of their seasons. And you can see how some characters are coming up and you know, like the, the key thing is that Jonathan is supposed to be the only rollerball there, but it lasted long enough to become. Like everybody else was basically, you think probably everyone was rooting for teams and numbers and they didn't think of players as players except for Jonathan E. He became a a personality. So you imagine all these people who went up there and basically maybe lasted a season, maybe two, and then that was it for them. And he's the only one that keeps going. Like that's what John Hausman says, right? You know, rollerballers come and go, but Jonathan E. keeps playing on. Right. And I, yeah. So there's a lot. Of, so you could have characters come and go, like either get maimed or injured, or just finally say, "I've had it, I quit." And you could have some really interesting stories there. So there you go. You heard it here first, folks. That's so right. if this shows up next year, uh, we've got this on record saying we came up with this idea. <laughs> and then we'll sue if they uh, if they uh, take our idea. <laughs> yeah, that ain't gonna happen. I think a bigger lawyer. Evil corporations. Just name a character after me. <laughs> Joshua R. All right. I, I'd like to play Moon Pie, but I'm, you know, it's too old. <laughs> Moon Pie. What, I'm not as racist as he is. What was with that? Yeah. Well, would it would would you even uh, be uh, Moon Pie? We have to change it to something more uh, relevant now, like uh, what? Yeah. It would be a, it would be a uh, like a, the name of a product. Right. He'd basically give up his name. iPie. <laughs> I guess iPie. <laughs> Nugget. Jonathan <laughs> Chew. The chewer. All right. So, um, Jen, you, you you wanted to make a point before we get to I, the scores. I I just wanted to ask <clears throat> if everybody here thought that this movie was cheesy. I, I, I mean, like, I see little pieces, but I'm, I'm, I'm wondering if my criteria for selecting movies is, like, way off base now. Well, uh, 
I'll jump in because I haven't had the chance to say much, but um, it's the, uh, it's the 70s aesthetic of the future is very cheesy. I mean, everything is this weird kind of semi-pre-disco look to it. Everything is plastic and very bizarre and everyone is, you know, done up in that awful makeup that the women are all done in that overly done makeup, you know, with a, with a shotgun to set the whore. Um, and and the entire set, like the numbers on everyone, like, oh, hey, this is the future digital space numbers. And it looks awful. It, it looks dated and it looks really cheesy. Um, that's what I like. That's where I'm coming in. And, and some of the, you know, their visions of the future are very bizarre. And that's where I find it kind of cheesy. That's a good point. But that's just me. I live in an orange room, so. <laughs> All right. So uh, can you, uh, for the audience, um, explain uh, about the scoring? And then... Okay. We've got, uh, we've got five criteria. First is story, which is about basically the plot of the movie. How does it, you know, how does it, is it good? Is it bad? Is it confusing? Is it a jumbled mess? Um, and the next is the acting, of course, which is all about, you know, what do people bring out in their performances that, you know, stand out or are really, really awful. Um, so you can have anything from, uh, you know, uh, the room to Laurence Olivier in Hamlet. <laughs> there's your, there's your gambit right there. And then, then some. Uh, score and sound design is basically, does it have an interesting musical score? Um, and how does it sound? Like, are the special effects sounds amazing or good? Or is it basically, you know, does it sound like this? <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. Uh, production quality is the overall look. How much money and effort do they put into the film? Now, sometimes they don't have enough money, but they can make it look like it's more expensive than what it is. Um, sometimes it can look downright cheesy. Is that tombstone made of cardboard? Is it going to fall over and the whole thing? That's the kind of thing we're looking for in this. And then, of course, the final is the overall entertainment value. Did you enjoy the film? Simple as that. It, if it wasn't enjoyable, it could be like uh, an amazing, everything could be really done right and still not be enjoyable. It could be a boring mess, which I've got a strong feeling this film is going to get a lot of low marks on this one, but uh, hey, I'm not going to influence it by saying maybe you should look at it in a different way. All right. There you go. So you, how about our special guest? He, he, he'll he go first. Absolutely. Who's that? You. You're the special one. I'm special? Yes. All right. Um, remind me of the scale again. What's the best? A one to uh, ten, with ten being the highest. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'm just making sure it's not golf scores, you know? <laughs> okay. Okay. Do you want me to go one at a time or just run through all five? Uh, yeah. You know, go uh, one at a time. One at a time. Okay. So we're talking no, story. No, no, no. I'm sorry. Go all, you know, all five. Okay. Either way, we're talking story first. Right. Um, what can I say? Uh, when I first watched it, I was like, can this even break a three? But as we talked more about it, and I realized that I am curious about uh, the world building that could be involved in either a remake or a, a TV series, uh, I'm not saying it, it improved the story quality, but I am saying it made me more interested in the world at large so i think just from the world building aspect i would give it a six all right six 
Um, moving on to the acting, what can I say? I, I think uh, the analogy earlier about um, a drawing of a of a cube is about the equivalent uh, to the three-dimensional these characters are, which is not. I mean, all the pieces are there, but nothing... I don't know. They, they just never came off the page. So I'm going to have to go... I'm going to have to go with three. Um, and I think uh, a certain lead actor might agree with that. Now, the score and sound design, the music, I actually... I was really digging it when the film opened up. And the only problem is, you know, and I'm going to make this a compliment sandwich. Uh, like the music it was opening up, the and, and the sound effects during the, the matches, during the games, very well done. But throughout the movie, as you're going from game to non-game uh, scenes, it's like you'll have conversations that sound like, you know, it's, you know, it's good you're here today because... I, I really needed to talk to you. And then suddenly the next scene of the game, and it's like, and everybody's yelling, and you have to turn down the volume because it is so uneven. <laughs> and and it really freaked me out. I, I was adjusting the volume the whole time, so I'm going to have to go, again, a three um, for uh, its um, sound design and score. By the way, that uh, compliment sandwich was open-faced, in case you were wondering. <laughs> the production quality I know a second ago we were talking about you know just because you know it doesn't have a lot of money doesn't mean it can't look good and this looks like an excellent movie made on a budget with a great uh, set design and it was shot very well and I, I don't really have any qualms with the production uh, other than still not being sure if everything captured during the games was uh, choreographed uh, down, you know, to the letter or just a bunch of chaos caught on film. Uh, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and say that enhanced the quality of it. So I'm going to give it an eight. All right. And as far as my overall entertainment value, I can't say I will be watching this again if it came in a different medium, as we talked about a few minutes ago. I would probably much more enjoy a more in-depth look into this world. But as far as this piece, uh, this film, um, the games were really enjoyable. Everything else, not as much, in my opinion, so I'm gonna go ahead and call it right down the middle and say a five. A five. So your score is twenty-five. Oops, twenty-four, twenty-five. All right. The excitement of watching math done live. I know. <laughs> All right. So can I? I'll go next. Okay. All right. Um, so. Uh, I gave the story a six. It's a pretty good story. You know, it, it's a pretty good story. So I gave it a six. Um, you know, I wish there was more there there. But, um, you know, it is what it is. 
The acting was... I, I like the, the main corporate guy, John Houseman, but he was good, you know, and he's and he's always, like, really solid. James Caan, who's normally really solid, too, just was terrible. He just looked like he didn't want to really be there. And this was, like, such a drag for him. So, you know, uh, being that I felt so bad for the, the guy, uh, I decided to uh, give it a three. <laughs> uh, now, when it comes to score and sound design, I actually like the score and sound design uh, for the most part, except for the fluctuation in levels. But when the actual game, I guess I gave a lot more credit to the uh uh, more so the sound design more than the score necessarily. Um, I gave it a six because I did like the sound of the game. Like that put me into the game. So I was a little more forgiving when it came to that. Uh, the score was pretty much not that big, you know, big of a thing. Um, production quality. Um, I probably was a brutal, more brutal than I should have because it did look really good, especially in 1975. Um, it, it had a nice look to it, but I gave it a six. Um, I just feel like, uh, it was, you know, I gave them, the main thing was the game had to look good and I thought the game did look good. Uh, so I, I don't know about their, their uniforms, but you know, Hey, it is what it is. And last but not least overall entertainment value, I gave it a five, um, you know, the movie had a lot of there, there, uh, or it, it was missing the there, there. But overall, like, I can't see myself watching it again. Like, I'm trying to think, like, what would make me watch it again other than being trapped on a train or something where that's the only movie playing? Or, you know, I don't know. Like, I'm trying to think, like, what would make me watch this again? Like, uh, I don't know. I think this might have been the last time I'll ever watch this movie. And it's okay. It's okay. You know, it, I, I wouldn't put this on 100 movies to watch before you die list. I wouldn't put that on there. So, but, um, you know, if, we, if we're going to do all a Hall of Fame for Cinema de Fromage, I don't think this is in it. So my total score is a 26 for it. So we'll go to Jen and then last King Penguin. <clears throat> okay, so, <clears throat> oh boy. All right, so I actually made a mistake on two of mine, Kintes. I'm sorry, I guess I copy and pasted, so I'll adjust it as I talk. Okay, so story, I gave this uh, a very solid four. I did like it, but it was, it just had so much potential and I felt like it needed some TLC. Um, acting, I also gave a four. I don't, I, I don't understand the acting in this at all, but I, I, it, some things actually do make a little bit more sense to me. Um, and thank you, everybody, for helping me to understand the flat affect because, yeah, that was really confusing. Score and sound. I have never wait, in my wait, life flat, given... Um, wait, hold on a second. Huh? Is, is flat affect related to Ben Affleck? Um, n no, but... He could probably pull that off. <laughs> yeah, he should be in. Yeah, he should be in the remake. He could have been in the remake. <laughs> he could be in the remake. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> he could, you know. In fact, they should just call him Flat Affect. But, but, but can he can he roller skate? Because if he can't, then it's not worth it. 
We have CGI. We can do it. Well, Josh, oh, that would look terrible. Wait, Josh is a uh, Josh is a ben the Affleck. CGI is based on just some smaller skating guy. Josh, Josh is a Ben Affleck um, aficionado. Would uh, Ben mm-hmm. be good in this? In the remake? He's never been bad in anything, so I don't see why not. <laughs> Especially Daredevil. Oh yeah. That that never happened. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> It's like that Berenstein Bears thing, that just a false memory. Oh, no. Oh, the Mandela effect. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, so score sound design. Okay, so uh, never in my life have I ever, ever had a movie come up with a zero score in any category. But this movie gets my very first zero score. What? Wow. Score. Wow. Okay, let, let me explain why, okay? Okay. Uh, the, there are there are moments in the film where they do actually figure out how to use good sound editing, but the sound throughout the film is it's not just the highs and the lows. It's that either it feels like the boom is so far away, or that there it was just non-existent, and that interspliced with. The, it, it almost feels like there were two separate soundtracks and that somehow they had to splice them together, but they couldn't quite make it work. I don't know. I mean, whatever it was, it was, if I saw this in the theater, I think I might've walked out based on the sound alone. I don't know how people could have sat through that. It was intense. So I, I'd, and, and there's no excuse for it. I mean, they could have easily fixed that in post-production. And so they get no love from me, none. Uh, production quality, however, I gave, and this is where my mistake was, so sorry, Kinte. Production quality, I gave a seven. I really did like the sets. I really liked the, um, the, the, it, just the camera ability to sort of go all the way around the track. They did some interesting camera work, which I liked. So the, overall, I would say that that is definitely, a, a, I think it was pretty solid. Overall entertainment value. For me, this movie ranks a three. It's just, it again, it had lots of potential. I certainly am glad that I got to watch it because I feel like it's kind of one of those movies that, yeah, no, you really should watch it just to sort of get a feel for it. But it's not something that I would watch again. And I mean, there's plenty of really horrible movies that I do watch again and again, <clears throat> Burt Offerings. And so that, <laughs> to me, feels like that's the hallmark. So so that's my score. Wait a minute. You make your kids watch Burnt, burnt Offerings? Hell yeah, I do. You know, I'm calling those and, people. Oh, I'm calling, I'm calling and, the, uh, the, uh, those people. Child services. Right. How, <laughs> wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. How else am I supposed to punish my kids? I mean, I can't beat them up anymore they get really upset if you don't feed them so gotta do something we're all watching burnt offerings tonight oh yeah Yeah. (laughs) oh boy i didn't even get burnt offerings a zero and it deserved it in several places i know right 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 she's just needlessly cruel (laughs) all right okay i guess that leaves me yes the only person who's tried to stick up for this film. All right, story. Um, okay, it even though it has things to say, it, the story is really thin. 
um, I'm going to say. I mean, it's basically the story is company wants him to quit. He doesn't want to quit. He wants his girlfriend back, realizes there's more to life, but then his kills people. <laughs> um, so the story itself is, even though it's got all the potential and everything, I give it a four. Um, acting, it's all over the place. There's some good performances in there. Um, I liked his mentor. Um, I can't remember the name of the character. Yeah, yeah. He was good. I liked some of his stuff. He was like, he's trying to be helpful, but you know, he's afraid of what's going on. John Hausman, you know, he's just wonderful. You know, he, Moon Pie, you want to be an executive making decisions. And it's like, oh, I love that guy. However, James Kahn's performance is so low key. If he's in a scene with one other person, that other person's not saying anything, and he's just listening to him talk, it just. Uh, you just feel all the energy being sucked out, which is weird because the movie starts off high energy, then cuts to a scene with him, and all of a sudden, all the life is sucked right out of the movie. Um, so I'm going to give it a four as well. Seeing this running tab here. Uh, score and sound design. Um, the, the sounds and everything in the arena are amazing. Um, starting off with Takata and Fugue and D minor by Bach, always awesome. I love that piece of music. Um, using class, classical music for the score, except for that one scene in the party, um, it worked for this film, and I, I liked it. Um, but once again, we have that problem. What the hell is he saying? Uh, you're afraid to turn the earphones up because you know that next scene might be a motorcycle revving up, and you're like going down. So it gets us. I'm going to give it a six because when you're in the, the when they're showing the game you really feel like you're in that game you're watching this thing and you could feel why people would want to watch this thing and it's the excite the sound uh in you know during the games is exciting the sounds of the skates going on the boards the the crashing into the the, the fencing the the ball hitting the you know the sound of the ball rolling and everything it's just awesome the motorcycles too just, i love it but if it only turned up you know his microphone a little. It might have made him more easy to understand what he's talking about. <laughs> um, production quality. Um, yeah, that arena, um, that looks like somewhere you'd go. Uh, the only thing I'd say is put plexiglass instead of chain link, um, and it would have been perfect. Um, and, you know, it's got a lot of things going for it. Like, it's a mishmash of a whole bunch of sports, and what I liked about it, too. And I, and I like the, the look of the, the sport, right? Um, you know, you've got the, sort of the hockey arena uh, boards. You've got the roller derby thing. You've got the football gear. You've got the motorcycles and the roller blades. I mean, it's, or roller skates, I should say. I think it's awesome. Um, and every, you know, every scene looked good. Um, I like John Hausman's little quiet room, which is surrounded by little shards of glass that are so sharp that, you know, he accidentally bumps them. They make a tingly thing. He grabs it and cuts himself. And it's one of those... Once again, very, very small, minor thing that you'd have to watch it again to see what happened. But uh, it, it, it's great look all around. I'm going to give the production, I give it an eight. I think it looked good. I think it, it you know, aside from the, the, the overuse of oranges and browns, which, you know, that's just 70s staple. Now, overall entertainment value, I'm going to be a little higher because um, I could watch just the sports sections of the thing, and I have on YouTube where I just go, I'm going to watch the game against Madrid or Tokyo. Okay, I could sit there and watch those 15-minute segments and just be entertained. Um, 
some of the story gets a little bit plotty, yes. Uh, so I'm going to give it a seven only because I like the sport so much and the sports scene so much, they take away from the draggy parts for me. And it breaks the film up. They've got three different games, beginning, middle, and end, which break up everything so that you, once you feel like you've lost yourself, oh, they bring you right back in. So there you go. All right. All right. So I will do the tally. And while I'm doing the tally, we will go to Jen. Oh, you're going to go to Jen for? Yeah. Movies make the meal. Oh, oh. You know, okay, so for this episode, or for this episode, for this episode of Cinema du Fromage and for Rollerball uh, kind of special, I made, and you know, this is one of those times when your imagination has to really get challenged. Uh, There's a treasure trove of these really awesome 70s recipes out there, and the recipe books are hilarious. If you've, oh my gosh. So much gelatin, so much gelatin. Um, But they're great. Some of them are actually really great. So what I did is I created the rollerball cheese ball. It's I I have a picture uh, that is uh, that's basically posted to the back end. I'll give Kinte the link. We'll post it to uh, the to the website. It's very simple and it is the perfect blend of sharp and mild, which, you know, ups and downs, very, I think, uh, relevant to the movie. And I have it served with uh, the the same kind, uh, the same shape crackers as you see on the, the actual ball when they're playing rollerball. So you can make your own special rollerball with our rollerball cheese ball. Rollerball cheese ball. Um... That's it. Okay, uh, is that something you would really eat? It's delicious. The cheese ball is so good. I mean, I'm, I'm not even joking. The cheese ball was so good. We devoured it in less than a day. You got no love for cheese balls? Uh... I like cheese balls. But it's got to be craft cheese balls, because I'm thinking the 70s. That's what I used to watch every around in the holidays. They'd have these commercials where they teach you how to make these wonderful dishes with craft products. It's got to be craft. And they always have the guy who had the voice like, and you just come in with some wonderful craft peanut butter, just smear it on top of your bread, add some cheese, a light touch of celery, and mmm, you've got something good. Serve it at parties or have it as a snack. <laughs> And I love those commercials. I just like, oh. I mean, the food was disgusting. It's like, oh. Well, I like, promise my some creamy Velveeta. Mm. No, I promise my cheese ball is not made with any of that. It looks 70s, but it tastes good. There you go. Oh, our score is in. And the winner so far in season three, Rollerball, with the highest score of season three. <laughs> 49%. <laughs> <laughs> That's a very low. Will it be unseated next week? <laughs> I don't know because I haven't seen the one we're doing next week, and I, I could be better. Synops- synopsis didn't sound so hot. Yeah, that's the lowest. That's the lowest uh, I think ever. That wow. has to be the lowest. 
Did I help make history? Wait. Hold, hold on, hold on. You know the the the. You know how they say, "Hold my beer." Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, next week, uh, we'll just have to revisit this. Just we'll revisit it. Revisit what? I, I I may actually say, "Here, hold my beer." I don't get it. The the next one the next movie on our list is the one that I chose, right? Yes. Oh yeah. yeah. Yes. So, so it's getting uh, lower. Josh, don't get so, discouraged. So we're saying that it's going to be like my thirty percent. My track record has not been very good, so we'll we'll see. We'll see. All right. So hey, I, I will suggest for folks who don't want to see this film based on the high recommendations it has, do go to YouTube and check out the scenes of the sporting stuff just to see the good parts of the movie that you might enjoy because um, it, it's actually kind of fun. Uh, all right, I, I'll do the uh, synopsis for the next movie. Um, oh boy! Oh, can't I? Okay, so our next episode, which will be episode number nineteen, is the car. 1977 and the synopsis says two bicyclists are run down by a strange black car in a desert near a small town in utah but this is just the first in a series of hit and run murders sheriff wade <laughs> parents, james brolin is called into so so we we know hey, not, we know how the beginning of the movie goes two people are killed by a uh, car right let me finish the <laughs> it kind of ruins the surprise <laughs> there don't they you're cutting you cut, hey hey you're breaking into my uh my bit oh sorry sorry go ahead uh james brolin is called in to investigate and his deputy everett john marley is killed by the black sedan which the <laughs> say has no one behind its wheel when the car threatens a local school parade the lives of the town's children and Wade's teacher girlfriend, Lauren, Kathleen Lloyd, are in danger. And they all get killed. <laughs> Stay tuned and watch the car and see what happens next. Oh, the credits. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, it looks like I'm going to have no surprises within the first half of that film. <laughs> well, I, I, think, uh... <laughs> I wonder what's going to happen to the deputy. Oh, yeah, right. I read that. He, he, he dies. <laughs> I don't care what happens to the deputy now. Hey, oh, is he going to get together with his wife? Don't care. He's dead. If you He's a dead man before I even watch the movie. If you watch the, the trailer to Burn Offerings, it pretty much shows you how the main person gets killed in the trailer. <laughs> hey, do, don't you want to know what happens the trailer to the car? Don't you want to know what happens to the car? I mean... Uh, I'm assuming it's destroyed uh, over the side of a cliff at uh, the uh, duel. Yeah, okay. That's just my guess. I, I would be concerned. Know. I mean, this is this, this is Google's first attempt at the driverless car, and it went horribly awry. And they made a movie of it. And they made a movie of it. Yep, there you go. It's the, it's also right. just. It's also the first Google attempt at street maps, and you'll see exactly what I mean when you watch the movie. Okay. Okay. So is this going to be like Killdozer? Is this like a... <laughs> it's going to be... T it, 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 I promise it is way more cheesy than this cheesy. Okay. I don't know. But I mean, we'll see. It's okay, because I know... One film that might get a lower score, um, 
than this one in my books is is coming up later and it happens to be kente's uh, pick so what uh uh body devil no oh Halloween? A sequel yeah oh you know what so i will defend i Halloween. saw that and i regret seeing whatever that's and i have to watch it again that's so. a low-key oh. good movie I'm gonna, you know what? I'm gonna uh, watch this so fight on movie. Cinema du Fromage. Right, right, right. right. Battle Royale. All right. Okay, so I, I'm guessing I won't be defending this film at the end of the season, but I'm also guessing you won't be defending Halloween 3. I don't know, man. I gotta stack the ballot boxes. <laughs> no stacking ballot boxes. No, no, no. <laughs> All right. All right, we'll so, uh, so Josh, how can we get you in social media and tell us about Semicore? How much time do I have? You got all the time in the world, my brother. This much. Okay. First, uh, I will start off by telling everybody, you can find me on Twitter at SkitComic. No more Simicor Josh. I have my name back. It's my name for everything. Anything and everything. SkitComic, S-K-I-T-C-O-M-I-C. Twitter, forums, all of them. Uh, PlayStation, Xbox, Steam, everything. If you find SkitComic, that is me. There is no other SkitComic. That is where I am. If you want to listen to podcasts, uh, I do a few of them. Uh, one of them is called The Netflix. It drops, uh, let's see, on the first of every month. And I let you know a few of uh, the titles coming to the Netflix instant streaming service uh, for that month. I tried doing every title coming in a month before, but that was 90 minutes, and we don't do that anymore. <laughs> so if you want to learn some of the highlights coming to Netflix uh, every month. Dropping on the first, the Netflix, wherever fine podcasts are sold. And you can always go to simicorestudios.com for the complete list. So I do make that available for all y'all out there. And if you are into uh, Unreal Sports, much like Rollerball, uh, then might I suggest another one of my podcasts called The Backstage Slam. It is an in-depth look into the world of professional wrestling. doesn't matter if it's WWE, Ring of Honor, New Japan Pro Wrestling, or what have you. We break it all down on a weekly basis. Me, myself, um, Ben, located in Hawaii, and Michael, uh, my British counterpart. So we're coming across two continents and an island in the Pacific to bring you all of the best wrestling talk. And if we're talking best of Unreal Sports, just got to throw this out there before I hand this back over. Um, basketball is the best fake sport ever. Just saying. That's hilarious. And uh, um, I'm looking forward to uh, checking you out. Uh, you know, I love the Netflix fix. Uh, that's a great show. And uh, so I checked out the uh, wrestling one, even though I'm not a wrestling dude. But uh, it's very good. You guys are very inter- entertaining. So thank you. Yes, and back in the day, me and Josh actually used to do a podcast together. So mm-hmm. yeah, that got popular way after we stopped doing it. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, so. and um, the, I think the real bad because I'm assuming you're talking about Dexter. Our, our Dexter podcast uh, when oh you had CS Lee on, and it was you know very soon after Dexter ended. And I remember thinking, 
I gotta ask what happened to the to the finale. There's no way that was the original plan. What was going on? I had to ask, and then I just asked some like really weird question about Grand Theft Auto San Andreas. <laughs> Hilarious. Hilarious. Um uh Jen, how can we get you on social media and all that good stuff? Uh you can find me on Twitter at following bliss one. You can check out my website at moviesmakethemeal.com and criticallaughs.com too. Um, and I have a new thing that's launching pretty soon. Uh, I'll save that for next week, but it's movie related and it's kind of cool. So look forward to that. All right. You can get me at Kente F on Twitter. Instagram, Kente Ferguson, and of course the website is IndyRadio.org I-N-D-Y Radio.org and uh, King, how can uh, we get you in social media, and when is Crash Cody Season 3 coming out? I'm gonna... I gave you all you're going to see of Crash Cody. That was the end of Crash. Well, can I do a sock puppet version then? You can. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. I'll even lend the voices to you if you need. Oh, cool. Um, you can actually see my website, which is... Uh, Professor Psycho's movie madhouse.com. Also, uh, the unreal Professor Psycho uh, uh, on Twitter. Um, not much happening yet, but we put out uh, the beginning of um, a little show we've done, Professor Psycho's movie Madhouse, where we are talking to, where we uh, are covering the brain that would not die. And we're doing a sort of little, it, an homage to the, uh, the old horror hosts, plus a little bit of uh, having some fun in the films themselves. So the first bit has already been posted. Plus, we have all kinds of stuff like links to this show, plus other previous podcasts I've done, uh, Mysteries of the Mind and The Penguin Crossing. So if you want to go on there, you find all kinds of fun stuff on that. Cool. Look at that. Look at me. I've, I've upgraded myself to love being a guy it. on the internet, which nobody goes and sees. I love it. I love it. Hey, you know what, though? I want to be like Josh. See, that's why I need kids, so I can just have them bring me uh, drinks. That's pretty cool. <laughs> but, uh, all right. So, next week, the car. Uh, and you guys have a great weekend. Where are you going with my sleeping bag? I'm going to sleep under the stars tonight. Man, it's winter, and we live in Chicago. But well, it's a beautiful night. Oh, gosh, this isn't going to end well. Kind of like when you thought we should get cable internet. I, the pioneers slept outside year-round, so... Yeah, and most pioneers didn't live over 40. Oh, you don't know that. I do. You want to know how? No. Sort of. I just looked it up on our AT&T internet. Don't get mixed up with cable internet. Get AT&T internet rated number one in customer satisfaction over cable. Switch and get up to 100 megabits per second for $40 a month. Limited availability may not be available in your area. Check eligibility at att.com slash internet. AT&T, more for your thing. That's our thing. New approved customers only. Includes internet plans 10 to 100 megabits. Early termination fee and other charges and restrictions apply. Speeds not guaranteed and may vary. Claim based on 2018 ACSI survey of customers rating their own internet provider's performance. There are places in Arizona that defy the senses, daring you to believe the impossible. Even when you see it, you may still doubt it's real. And really, there's something wonderful about that. Plan your unreal Arizona getaway at visitarizona.com.